Welcome back to Netflix and Kill, a podcast dedicated to reviewing and documenting the horror films of Netflix. I'm Kai. And I'm a mean green mother from outer space, and I'm mad. No, I'm <laughs> Hannah. Hello. I do like that, though. That was a good, that was a good intro. That was a good segue. It was it's a, a good segue. Good I wrote segue. it myself. <laughs> <laughs> so today... Um, this is our second episode of our musical month. This is like a yes. sort of roundabout way of celebrating Pride Month because uh, musicals are important to the LGBT community. Last time we talked about Rocky Horror, which was a very influential film for us. Uh, this week we are talking about Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah, Love Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah, this is one of my favorite like musical movies of all time. Yeah, um, I I attached very hard to Seymour Krelborn when I first watched it. Um, when I was a baby, and uh, every every time I watch it, I just love it more. That makes sense. You very much have a a certain <laughs> type of character that you attach to, Marty. It's just a little nerd who uh, does a bunch of fucked up shit. <laughs> Honestly, that's super valid, though. I wanted to be the plant. Okay, that's okay, also the very plant valid. Wins. Yeah, for real. Then, like, yes. <laughs> I just like. I thought the plant had the best songs, and like, I know. Honestly, I would get. It would be a blessing to play Audrey one day, but she's just not the type of character I could I want to play. I want to be a big plant. That's but also yes. I do not have the vocal vocal skills that are necessary for the plant, which is fine because um oh what is the name of the guy who plays the plant in this movie? He absolutely just owns this role for yeah, every second. He kills it. Um so you guys are a hundred percent allowed to judge me. I the character I attached to was the dentist. <laughs> no, that is the I think best. Honestly, I think he's so funny. And well, especially because he's played by Steve Martin. Yeah, like, and I he love like Steve amps Martin. it up to a Yeah, he has a great he's voice. Steve Martin. He's just such an asshole, and I love it. Yeah, the filmmaking for that scene might be my favorite. Um, in terms of like how the the shots are set up, like there are just so many good gags and bits, yeah. and like there's never a moment of that song that isn't just pure fire. The camera shot from inside the mouth is what gets me. I'm like, I guess they made a fake mouth to go around the camera. Like, yeah, how did they get yes. that in there? It's just so cool. The the puppetry in this movie is so great because not not only does it look extremely realistic in the way that it moves and stuff, but also all of it looks slimy. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Frank Oz didn't spend all those years in the Muppets and directing Muppets Take Manhattan for him to make a bad little shop of horrors film. I know. <laughs> no, he but put like, everything he, into this movie. Everything looks wet and nasty. Like, yes. Like yes. the inside of Audrey's mouth, Audrey 2's mouth looks nasty. And then the inside of the mouth that, that they made for that that scene for the dentist it just is, it's wet and nasty, and I don't know the how they did it, and I I'll need tell to the know. The tongue moves. <laughs> I'll, tell I know. I'll tell the joke that I said while we were watching this movie. Um, I said, Little Shop of Horrors, more like Little Shop of Vores. <laughs> and I'm oh. sorry. But... 
because my because that was in my brain you all have to hear okay. it now okay well now i have to tell my joke and that it's that uh, this movie has sparked so many fetishes oh my god this, this movie is somebody's kink like it's gotta be <laughs> well what yeah. was it there was the other joke when bill murray's character shows up and he um he's like very into the pain because the whole joke is that the dentist is like uh a mas- sadist yeah, yeah a sadist, sadist. Um, yeah. and I always get sadist and masochist mixed up when I know they're really polar opposites, so that's a really bad thing to mess up. I mean, they're <laughs> related. Bill Murray's character is a masochist, and I think, Marty, you said that, um, like, this is just non-sexual BDSM, and then Bill Murray made a very weird noise, and you said, never mind, it is sexual. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty yeah, much. That, that was the other one that I said. But that's, like, that's one of my favorite bits in the whole movie, because the whole joke is, like, the only reason someone would become a dentist is if they like hurting other people, and I just find <laughs> that really funny. Yeah, uh, and, yes. and uh, like some somebody out there is gonna have a dentist kink, and of course it's Bill Murray. <laughs> <laughs> have y'all seen the um the original Little Shop of Horrors I, back from? I have not seen it, but I know for a fact that Jack Nicholson plays that character. Yeah. <laughs> yes, like that that whole bit. I think I don't think this whole bit with Bill Murray is in the stage musical. It's been a while since I've seen it, but I think they added it back into the film as an homage to the I think it was made in the 60s, the 60s Little Shop of Horrors, where Jack Nicholson walks in, he's like, hello, I'd like to have a root canal. And then, like, <laughs> Seymour accidentally messes up his mouth because he's already killed the dentist, and then he's just like, that was the most amazing dental experience I've ever had. And then he just walks out, and it's the best part of the old movie. That sounds amazing. I still haven't seen the old movie, but I need to, I need to, because, like, right? you only need to see two bits, honestly, because it is boring as shit. I've never seen it, but I know for a fact that it is free on Tubi TV, um, Ooh. which I have, like, been browsing a lot lately, because I realized they just have a lot of free movies and shows. I watched, like, all of Transformers Beast Wars on there. Oh my gosh. Nice. Um... Uh, yeah, Transformers. So... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just I just had to take a moment to think about Transformers. <laughs> just that's, let's do Little Shop that's... of Horrors, but instead of a giant plant, it's just Bumblebee. Oh, <laughs> Bumblebee's really too pure cute, though. though. Bumblebee that's why you'll never people. see it coming. That you, True. you know, it's gotta be it's gotta be Starscream because I know for a fact Starscream <gasps> would eat someone. If that is it. so true. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Um, we love. Sorry, to hear it. we did get off topic. I apologize. Uh, so, Marty, do you want to tell everyone briefly what Little Shop of Horrors is about? Um, on the night of the twenty third of <laughs> September, uh... <laughs> in an early year of a decade, not too long before our own. Yeah. <laughs> um. So. It's the 23rd of September. Um, uh, mark that on your calendars for an annual viewing. <laughs> but a uh, guy named Seymour goes to a plant shop um, and buys a strange looking Venus flytrap type plant from, uh, from the shop. Um, but it wasn't there before there was a uh, total eclipse of the sun. Total eclipse of the sun. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but um, 
there was a total eclipse of the sun, and then this plant appears where it wasn't there before, but he buys it anyway for like a dollar twenty-five. I think is ninety-five. A dollar ninety-five. Okay. Sha la 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 Um, and so he buys the plant and he brings it back to um the shop that he basically lives in. He like lives in the basement and. Mr. Mushnick owns the shop, and they're not doing good in business, and Mr. Mushnick is fixing to basically just give up and, like, just sell his business and all this other stuff, but they they put the plant in the window, and people start becoming interested, and it's like, what the fuck is that? Um, is there more of these? Can we, uh, maybe buy one of these? And they're like, no, this is the only one we have, and it's not for sale, and they're like, okay, well, um... I'm going to buy $50 worth of your, your uh, roses. roses. And they, they're like, um, well, we can't break a 100 sorry. And he's like, okay, well, then I'll just buy $100 worth. And then so, like, because they have this plant in the window, they're getting, like, a whole bunch of business and all this other stuff. And it's going really good for them. But then, like, the plant starts dying. And Seymour's like, well, I don't know what to do. And... He sings a song about it, <laughs> and then he figures out that uh, it needs blood to live, and so he uh, gives it a little bit of its blood, and it grows, and he goes on the radio and, you know, talks about his plant to, like, get advertising out for their business, and, like, things start going really well for them, but at the same time... The lady that he's got a crush on that works with him at the store, her name is Audrey, and uh, she's in a relationship with a really bad dentist man (laughs) who loves to cause pain, and he sings a song about it, and (laughs) she, like, comes to work with a black eye, and, you know, he breaks her arm at one point, and... You know, Seymour's just like, well, you need to leave him because he's, like, hurting you and all this other stuff. And then they sing a song about that, and then they keep feeding the plant blood. And there's a whole montage of Seymour, like, holding the plant like a baby with his finger in its mouth. Like, he's, like, feeding it a bottle, and it's really funny. And then the plant gets really big, and because it's so big, it doesn't want to live on blood anymore. And so, like... The plant is like, I want to eat people now. (laughs) And Seymour's like, I can't feed you people. That's not right. And he's like, well, fuck you. And then sings a song about it. (laughs) And then they like come to a conclusion during their song that they need to kill the dentist because he's been hurting Audrey for too long. And so Seymour goes to kill the dentist. He has a gun in his pocket. And then Bill Murray is like at the dentist's office and is you know, having an orgasm sitting in the chair. And, the, <laughs> and then the dentist kicks Bill Murray out, and then um, <laughs> uh, he, like, starts yelling at Seymour for being there, and he's like, well, if I pulled this out on you and put it in your mouth, would you start screaming? And he'd be like, yeah, I don't, please don't hurt me. <laughs> but, like, he's also there to kill him, and so then he, like, takes him into the back room is gonna start like pulling Seymour's teeth out because you know he's a sadist and all this other stuff and then he puts on a gas mask because he's also like addicted to gas I guess I don't know how that works because it's just nitrogen but okay and so 
that happens and then it breaks and he can't stop it from putting more nitrogen into his face and so he dies of oxygen starvation and uh so Seymour doesn't even have to kill him and then you know he just dies um and then Seymour drags his body back and like throws him you know starts chopping him up and then Mr. Mushnick sees him chopping him up in the back the back of the store and and so like then they feed the dentist to to the plant and then Mr. Mushnick is like pulls a gun on Seymour and is like well you know um I I've seen you chopping up this dude in the back of my fucking store dude but like I'm gonna, I'm gonna call the cops unless you like tell me how to take care of this plant and disappear and all this other stuff and as that's happening he's like walking backwards and then the plant eats Mr. Mushnick just like just like gulps him up in one one bite and Seymour is like okay well now you've had two meals um <laughs> and the plant is still hungry and Seymour is like trying to leave and he's like this has gotten out of hand I can't do this anymore and so he's like gonna disappear with Audrey and like tries to make a plan with her and then the plant uses the phone to call Audrey and Audrey goes over to the to the plant store and like so she's at the plant store and the plant is like feeling her up and shit because like of course the plant has to be sexual um <laughs> and then Look, Levi it, Stubbs has a hot voice I'm sorry I yeah, mean he does I mean to be fair like he also feels Seymour up he does moments <laughs> and pulls his pants down during one of the songs so that's a thing yeah mm-hmm. I that's just a thing that happens is the plant is like horny <laughs> like Kyla said he's a vorm machine he, right. he is though it's like sexual sexual vor um this plant likes to be horny and look we've people. all seen Hannibal we know you gotta have a special connection with someone before you eat them <laughs> yeah I, I guess I guess um <laughs> I guess I could have said Dracula <laughs> I mean that I mean that too I mean any kind of Eating people in literature and film has always been kind of sexual. Just Devour? Because, more like, like deflower. Heyo. <laughs> oh, what? Nice. Flowers? More like vort. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so um, just, at this point, we should probably delve into the whole thing about the two endings. Oh, yeah. Oh, so, yeah, because like, this is where it divides. This is yeah. where it divides. We watched we watched one ending and not the other because- The director's cut, in- I think, is what we watched. Yeah. The director's cut is better in my mind, but that's because it's the original ending to, like, the play, um, and not, like, the ending to the movie. The, the ending to the movie, people thought it was too sad, and so they went and reshot it, but it's like- that's the original ending, so, like, what? Yeah. what? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Also, so, there's this whole... Oh, sorry, go ahead, Kai. Oh, no, you go ahead, Hannah. Well, there's this whole underlying theme of, like, the American dream in the 1950s culture, and Seymour is willing to, like, kill people and be an accomplice to murder and, like, overlook his morals in order to get this American dream life he's always wanted to move out of Skid Row. And the whole point is that when you overlook your morals, the, that your ambition and your greed will literally, like 
devour you and everything you care about. But in the happy Hollywood ending, some executive said, hey, I don't want to have to think about the moral ambiguity of my actions. Make a move to the sticks and have a nice wife and kids. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and that's exactly, yep, that's how it ends Um, in the theatrical cut. They beat the plant and they run off and get married. Um, but the plant is still there because there's a baby one in their front yard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but the other, the director's cut is so much better. Um, at least, yeah, so- like, even just for the sheer puppetry. Like, it makes yeah. me angry for Frank Oz that this got erased because you can tell that so much work was put into it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like- he... To do this kind of level of detail that he was doing with his puppet work, he had to mark out every single scene and be so meticulous about every single thing he did. And just, yeah, all that work is completely cut out. Honestly, I also like the director's ending because we get another song out of it. Mm -hmm. And more songs is good. Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) Um, I, I also really like the director's cup simply because, like, of course, the puppetry, but also there's, like, so so much, like, detail and stuff done for the miniature work during it. And it just, like, makes me super happy because, like, I, I love miniature work. Um, I Ghostbusters is one of my favorite films, mainly just because, like, first off, it's funny, but second off, because, like, the miniature work during the ending. Like, they recreated, an, like, entire, like, three streets of New York City for this, like, specific part of the movie, and then, like, they did the same thing for Little Shop, and it's, it's just one of my favorite things to look at. so good. Yeah, so the, the director's ending ends with the plant eating Audrey and Seymour and pretty much everyone. They list all the cities, um, including Des Moines. (laughs) The the plants, because the, some guy takes Some guy, yeah, he takes a cutting of the plant and so like the plant starts growing multiples of it because it it works like an actual plant basically only it's sentient and eats people yeah um. they sell it across america and it becomes a big fad and everyone Bigger buys it hoops. yeah everyone buys it and then uh it takes over the United states and eats everyone oh and then it like the very last shot of the movie is like the end question mark and then the plant like you know, if you were watching this in a theater, it would be more effective, but the plant, like, breaks through, like, the screen, and is, like, laughing at you, and it's, I love, I love when they do endings like that, just because it's, like, super silly and fun, yeah. and, like. Oh, it's very much a callback to the blob, which is also, again, such a fun experience. I think it's literally a part of, like, the experience of watching the blob now, where they go, like, all right, everyone, you're ready? And then when the blob attacks the movie theater at the end of the movie, the entire audience gets up and runs out. Oh, that's freaking awesome. The, they do something similar to that for, like, the, um, the middle, like, intermission part of Gremlins 2, the new batch also. (laughs) (laughs) You know, they, like, it basically looks like the gremlins are, like, in the booth, like, like, eating the film, and then Hulk Hogan yells at them to stop. <laughs> yes, although I will say this for the, um, the, the theatrical ending that the producers got, gave it. Little Shop of Horrors takes a very dramatic tone shift after Audrey dies, and yeah. it's really quite 
sad like really yeah. sad and up until then it's been like yeah he's killed people but it's always been kind of people you were kind of meant to hate anyway and who are kind of a dick and rick moranis yeah. is just this sweet little guy so you kind of root for him even though he's like doing some really really bad things yeah. um and then once he gets to the top of that roof and he's looking down at the street below i'm i'm terrified i'm like really sad for this man yeah. and then yeah. it's just shot after shot of people dying um in these really creative fun ways but like it's just I see where I I kind of love the dark humor of it all. Um yeah. But I do, I do see how some producers would be like, you know, y'all y'all had a fun little movie here and then you went and you made it like really weird and sad. Make it night make it more like the first part. I I get that, but also like the the point of it is to make you think about like commercialism and capitalism and how it makes people so greedy that they don't give a shit anymore yeah yeah and that's yeah. why i think the movie i think they didn't get seymour normally in the shows he's played a lot more ambiguous like it's very clear i like rick moranis in this movie he's such a sweetie i can't not like him yeah. so my sympathy is very much for him and there's rarely a moment where i'm like oh come on man yeah yeah um i this is a little bit off topic but i will say the other thing that like I don't know, one of the things that carries me through the sadness, though, is, like, it has such a jamming soundtrack that, like, even if True. horrible things are happening on screen, they're still singing these total bops, and I'm like, I can't yeah. be upset now, it's, 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 this is great, it's catchy, I'm gonna be singing this catchy song all day about how you shouldn't feed the plants or the whole world will die. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Again, uh, the final song is such a great note to go out on. Yeah. And this musical is so well balanced. Like, I was talking with someone the other day about this, where a lot of musical films, especially Disney, don't know how to end a musical. They don't know how to do that big climax song. They don't know how to... They know how to do the first part, um, but the, the second half is usually really hard. And Little Shop is just a perfectly balanced musical with Mean Green Mother as the climax song. And then uh, Don't Feed the Plants is this great, like, this is the end of the show and here's the theme. Yeah. Yeah, I think... That's I definitely agree. Um, so, what would you say is your favorite song then? Oh man, uh, mm, it's really hard to pick because the I know mine. I can is go. So good. Oh, go ahead. Uh, feed me. Does it have yes. to be human? <laughs> feed me. Does it have, Does to, it be have to be mine? Feed me. Where am I supposed to get it? <laughs> Feed me Simo. I mean, it's the first time we get to hear the plant sing. And he just, Levi Stubbs has this powerhouse of a voice and just this way of making every single thing he sings so good. And like Rick Moranis, like, Girl For Me is a really cute song, but like, he gets to really kind of show off some of his more rock and roll pipes in there. That's the other thing. Everyone in this movie can sing really well. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's not a single person in this show where I'm like, eh. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I just love the duet. I think it's such a bop. It has this great, like, rise and fall, and it has levels and layers, and it's just, it's it gets you headbanging. Like, there's literally a scene where the plant is, like, jumping up and down while Seymour's, like, headbanging along to him. And it's just yeah. this great progression of the story of how Seymour gets from point A, I'm not gonna kill, B, to, okay, I'm, I'm gonna kill. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, a great like, number. In, in in Feed Me, he definitely, like, both of them get to, like, really, like, bust their chops. Like, mm -hmm. 
I don't know if that's the correct verbiage, but you know, like they they've got the chops and they're gonna put them out there. Uh, <laughs> they're gonna bust them. They're gonna bust them. <laughs> but um, like, e- like even like, I j- I feel like just because Rick Moranis is such a powerhouse like voice um with Levi Stubbs that like he has to like match that energy more more so than he does for like grow for me which is like more of a like sweet sounding song mm-hmm. so like Rick Moranis has to like belt out more and I feel like that's because he he was matched up with Levi Stubbs during that song and so he has to like you know match that energy which is the sign of a brilliant actor when you know how to match the scene for the character in relation to whatever character they're talking to like that's a, something yeah. a lot of actors struggle with where they they can only do one kind of energy with um, somebody, no matter who they are. But Rick Moranis was really good in that he did play a certain type, that nerdy guy. But, like, he realized there's a different way this nerdy guy talks to this plant versus the way the nerdy guy talks to the dentist or the way the nerdy guy talks to his his love interest. And, like, a lot of people don't get that. Like, I, I'm trying to think of an example of, like, a guy who plays a nerdy character who doesn't, like, match the energy of the people he's talking to and it's much less effective. Um... I'll pull an example, because this is just a musical that I love to shit on, um, How to Succeed. Uh. The, character in that, the character in that show, I feel like, definitely does that the whole time. Uh, Which, I, that's a whole other discussion, but yeah, I'll agree with you on that. Yeah, I hate that musical so much. Thinking back on it, I do really like Skid Row as a song. Oh, that's a great song. Excellent song. I... Anytime I hear that song, I, like, have to sing along with it just because, like, I don't know. I feel like everyone's been in a situation or, like, in like living or otherwise where they feel like, you know, this is shitty and I don't want to be here and, you know, I feel like nothing's going to get better for me and, I don't know, that, that song really kind of resonates with me just because, like, that's kind of the situation I'm in right now. <laughs> yeah well Um, it's a great song to set up their theme of poverty in terms of like detailing specifically what these people have to go through and it's really unique for a musical to kind of give that perspective to the chorus like Mm. most of the the verses in that are sung by the chorus like this random woman just emerges from the alleyway to sing the opening um solo that leads into the song and that's also one of the strengths of this movie is every single person in every single scene no matter how big or small is just killing their part. Like, especially in Skid Row, yeah. there's a yeah. guy who just literally sings down on Skid when, like, the music is, like, building up when he goes down on Skid. And it's just... Yeah. His voice is so powerful. I want to see him in his own movie. Right? Yeah. No, that that number is incredible. I think it... Yeah, it really adds a sense of, like, community. Um, which I think is important. Like, it's... They show it's not just Seymour who's suffering... And but like everyone, there. yeah, it kind of helps keep it from having like the oh poor white guy syndrome. Like I guess they right. show that like poverty is systematic, um, mm-hmm. just like greed is systematic, or like just like capitalism is systematic. Like it affects everyone, and it's from Seymour's point of view. But like this is a problem that hurts everybody. Basically, uh, during this song, it also like you know establishes uh, like you know, background characters and stuff, but, like, you you feel like each each of them has, like, their own thing going on. They don't feel like, 
you know, copies of, like, one specific character, each background character. I mean, this goes for, like, throughout the whole movie, but, like, each each background character has something to add to the story, and it's not just, like, you know, another, you know, background character or whatever. Like, they they have, like, homeless people in, in this song they get to sing, and, like, later on they show up later again, and they have their own little jokes and, like, <laughs> a bunch of other stuff that is... It's it's really silly and fun and cute that they they have like, you know, more more than just like the main characters doing stuff and um it's just It's very it, humanizing too. Yeah, yeah, it makes me really happy that they they have stuff like that and for forgive me for bringing this back to Spider-Man, but like anytime I have um like you have like background characters who bring more to the story. Um, I just feel like I I feel more likely to like something because of that, and it's probably one of the reasons why I like Spider Man so much is because of all of the fun background characters that could do fun stuff. And like, and in this movie, you know, it's the exact same thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. it makes the world feel more fleshed out. Well, that's yeah. why I also absolutely love. We haven't brought them up yet. Um, Ronette, Chiffon. And Crystal are these yes. three, um, they're kind of, I'm trying to figure out, because they're not chorus, because they, they pretty much show up in every single song. They're like a girl group, like the Supremes back in the, the 60s, where they sing uh, doo-wop with, they're like backup for Seymour and the other cast members, but they also have songs where they, they are the focal point. Like, they sing the opening song, Little Shop of Horrors, is kind of like a doo-wop rock number, and then they back up Seymour when he goes and says how he got the plant, and I just, they were always my favorite when I was a kid. Because they're just so cool. They always show up in these beautiful, glamorized outfits. But even that's like a commentary in Skid Row where one minute they are actually like kids who have been left behind by the system and told them like there's no way for us to better ourselves because of where we're from. And then they come back as these like supreme divas with these beautiful purple gowns and like singing amongst these homeless individuals talking about how much their life sucks with like a smile on their face. And that I feel like is also a commentary on consumerism where like a lot of the art and pop music of the 50s was like isn't everything great isn't everything shiny isn't everything fine (laughs) meanwhile like the civil rights movement and poverty and the war on drugs and stuff was starting and it's just i I love little shop for acknowledging the hypocrisy of the 50s i love that oh me too like a hundred percent but yes they are my favorite characters and they're the best singers (laughs) i I love them so much and then I love the the little part they have where they get to interact with Mr. Mushnick and they're like, um, they're like, we dropped out of school when we were in the fifth grade because we knew that there was nothing for us in this world (laughs) worth going for because of the place that we're from. And then, yeah, it's just a very prominent part of the story that you don't realize how prominent it is until like you like sit down and watch it a million times and then you're like, oh, shit, that's actually a problem. Like, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, even, like, the background singers are being affected by this, you know. Yeah. Well, and because you're never really sure how um, diegetic they are in the story, like, are they real characters, or are they kind of, like, these guides, or who are they? They don't get eaten. I, I feel like they're Like, they're diegetic, the ones saying, you idiots. But at dummies. the same time, they're, like... They're like non-diegetic but also diegetic and it's it 
you know, you don't know how far into, like, the story they are actually, like, a part of, but, like, I feel like they're also idealized versions of, like, themselves. And so, like, at times I feel like they're kind of a representation of what Seymour is kind of striving for a little bit. You know, like, taking, you know, poor poor people and then putting them in, like, these most glamorous gowns and stuff. And, like, this is, you know, what what he wants, basically, is to, like, be rich and famous and, like, glamorous. Well, and Audrey as well, because there's a song. Yeah, um, her too. Somewhere that's green where it's all about, like, her greatest dream in life. And, like, of course, it's to be with a nice guy like Seymour. But he's almost secondary in the song. She's like, I want a big house. I want a washer. I want a dryer. I want, I a, want to look like Betty Crocker. I want I a want a TV be- with a massive 12-inch screen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's this beautiful longing song that's a beautiful melody. And Ellen Green sings it amazingly. But, like, when you think about the lyrics, it's such a shallow song. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, like, that kind of consumerism is very shallow, and so, like, the, I feel exactly. like that's the whole point of it. <laughs> exactly. That's that's what my point is. That is the point. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and that's like, what I, I do think it's brilliant. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, and it really goes to show, like, how, um, I would say, like, nobody in the movie, like, there are very ambitious people in the movie, but none of them want to help anyone around them they're all just kind of ambitious for themselves like i guess aside yeah. from like seymour and audrey who are in love with each other and like want to help each other out of the situation but like you said even audrey's song is more about the house than seymour um mm-hmm. like she pretty much just likes seymour because he's nice to her and her boyfriend's an asshole uh yeah. but it's i don't know it's interesting it just kind of i feel like it goes to show how much of capitalism is like hyper individualistic to the point of like you know screw everyone else i'll get mine that kind of mentality like that's you know why seymour's willing to murder in the first place like it doesn't really matter what anyone else is going through you know Mm -hmm. he just wants to get his nice house and be successful and like never once he is successful he never once thinks to like help you know, these, how about these yeah. girls who dropped out of school when they were in the fifth grade? Maybe he could help them. Yeah, mm-hmm. he could help all of the homeless people who are part of the chorus in the, in Skid Row. And, you know, the, it's, it's definitely a problem of, you know, not thinking about your community because, you know, I, I think about this all the time because, like, as a kid, I really hated where I grew up and it's because it was a, a, poor area um of Oklahoma and it sucked and nobody was nice and I feel like that because you know it was because like it was a poor area like no one was happy because you know no one had any money and like I think about all the time like how I wanted to leave and never come back and it was it was because, like, it was a poor area, and I feel like, you know, I I kind of regret that kind of thinking as a kid, because, like, you know, there, there could have been something I could have done maybe later about it, you know, and actually, you know, help, help the community that, you know, I was a part of, but I was just too focused on, like, myself and 
trying to get out of that situation that I didn't think about anyone else who would would be suffering you know yeah well i think like that's... I feel like that's definitely a thinking like a way of thinking that i adopted because i live in a capitalist society <laughs> yeah like i think the system uh the system we live in kind of try trains us to view everyone around us as competition instead of like other people i was just gonna bring up the song uh the meek shall inherit where that is kind of what that song's about like absolute power corrupts absolutely where we all have dreams of uh, being, we all go into things with the best of intentions, but then once power actually comes to us, it's always this whirlwind force where we don't know how to control it and we don't know how to control ourselves because the system has not trained us and not given us any ability to do anything for anyone else. The system is set up for wealth to only help ourselves. So it's kind of that idea of absolute power corrupts absolutely. Like there's one line I really like in the song where it's, um, what is it? It's not a question of merit. It's not demand and supply. They say the meat gonna get it. So it's it's more about, like, not what you have inside. It's more like, what can you do for somebody? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and in the end, like, the symbol of Seymour's greed, Audrey too, um, Audrey becomes just another possession, and she says, like, well, if you care so much about that plant, I want to be a part of the plant. Like, her own life doesn't matter anymore it's just another thing for seymour's greed to consume it's not even about her anymore yeah you ain't the only thing i ever loved oh <laughs> uh, yeah that's yeah, so she, sad and then she dies and then he just feeds feeds audrey to audrey too anyways like <laughs> she said she wanted to <laughs> i mean yeah but like still like that even though like that was something she said he also could have just like not done it but you know because you know that plant has basically taken over his life he he feels like he might as well (laughs) i mean look here's the thing if the plant is gonna take over the world regardless I think it would be cooler for me to go, I would want to get, just like, like, yeah, sure, if I'm gone anyway, just dump me in a giant plant, why not? I mean, mean, it would be fucking cool to be eaten by a plant, I guess, if that was the last thing I ever did, but, like, if it's Wait, Steve Martin's in there? Hell yeah, throw me in there. (laughs) I mean, at least it's a plant that seems good. (laughs) What? Steve Martin is pieces, though. (laughs) That's still as close as I'm ever going to get to a celebrity, and we all know it. <laughs> what are you talking about? You've met Bruce Campbell. I've That's met true, Bruce and Campbell. I blew that experience. I also met Jeffrey Combs once. <laughs> That's true, and you can jump into whatever plant you choose, but as for me, I'm going in the big one with the Steve Martin. <laughs> okay. I, I like this Steve implication Martin, so that every that be... plant holds a dead celebrity inside <laughs> of it. <laughs> uh, okay, but like it feels, it feels pretty in canon with Little Shop, and if we were going to live in that world, at least one of them would have a celebrity. Honestly, I, I'm a pretty, li- pretty big little monster. So I heard there was a rumor. I don't think it's true for anymore because I've heard someone else is going to be Audrey in the new Little Shop, which has been in development hell forever. So it may not even happen. But I've heard Lady Gaga was in talks to be Audrey for a while. And if so, I won't be in that plant. Yeah. Because you can't kill Mother Monster. She'll just come back somehow. True. Yes. True, true. Love that. Um, <laughs> but Kyla, we never heard your favorite song. Yeah, so my favorite song is the dentist song. 
kind of, of predictably, course. but it's I love that I just love the dentist so much. He's such a bastard mm-hmm. and I love it. He's silly mm-hmm. fun, despite the fact being he is a bastard. Yeah, it's <laughs> just such a, a catchy song too, and it's full of so many visual jokes. Like him like repeatedly punching the nurse in the face as he dances. <laughs> and like the or, crazy like, he, he waits. He waits by the door for, like, two seconds, waiting until she's, like, in front of the door to open it so that he hits her in the face. Yeah. (laughs) And it's all in time to the music, and it's brilliant. Yeah, the crazy-ass shot from inside the mouth (laughs) as he's, like, drilling into the teeth. It's so weird, and I love it. And Mm -hmm. he's just so funny. So I love that. I do also really love Mean Green Mother. Um, That's a great song. Yeah. <sighs> oh, those are such mean green mother, honestly. I will say I do kind of like I don't remember. I haven't seen the original version. I remember the editing being a little bit more snappy in the 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 ending where it's all like, oh happy ending, because they had more time to edit it because they figured out, oh, this is what they want. They don't want the other ending. So there is a couple the editing feels a little faster in Mean Green Mother in the happy ending version. But again, the the drama of being Green Mother in the sad ending is just excellent. Yeah. Like, there's that whole slow motion scene where the little, like, pods, it's because Audrey 2 is, like, reproducing chorus at the drop of a hat with little Audrey puppets that are, like, attached to her vines. And they, like, yes. singing as, like, Audrey slowly brings Seymour into her mouth, and it's just so cool. I love it so much. I love those puppets so goddamn much. I feel yeah. like that's what Frank Oz said. I mean, I mean that's basically Frank Oz's life though. He's like puppets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess that I mean that's a perk of knowing Jim Henson is that you just like end up a, a puppet person you just love doing puppets <laughs> oh yeah well there was one time um there's a great documentary called uh god uh what is it called muppet guys i think it's what it's called um where all the original muppet cast members who are still alive uh, get together and they just talk forever about jim henson and what it was like making the muppet show and stuff like that and Frank Oz looks like the grumpiest man alive, but he's so weird. I love him. <laughs> he's he's got a really good dry humor about him that just makes me very happy. <laughs> yeah. Like this film, I think I don't know, it might be the tightest musical movie I've ever seen where they do the most with the concept without like I don't know having to do CGI or do like gimmicks that don't rely on like the craft of puppetry and the the way that they're directing the actors and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um can we bring up because I'm thinking about him and how much I miss him. John Candy as oh, Wink yeah. Wilkinson yeah. in the radio show. <laughs> I think that's another thing they added to the movie. Really? Yeah, I don't think it's in the original uh stage show because yeah, I think they just added it because they like John Candy. Well, I mean, I love John Candy, and having him as a radio host and him just being silly the whole time, and I'm I miss that man so much. He's one of my favorite actors. I'm I'm definitely a person who was obsessed with the 1970s SNL 
and Second City Television crews. Um, and I, I've always thought that that man was so funny and, like, so sweet. And I, I love watching him in his stupid pompadour. <laughs> yeah. His energy and, is just so good yeah, in this movie. Yeah, really good. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little sad that they didn't have him and Steve Martin in the same, like scene for this movie but also like it wouldn't make sense for the dentist and a radio host to be in a scene for very long <laughs> or if at all but I, I i would have loved to see them in a scene together just because i i love seeing them work together and planes trains and automobiles is a good movie <laughs> <laughs> there's a great movie. blooper i was thinking of if you ever i love good blooper reels where they're actually funny and not just someone like messing up their lines and like going ah, ha, 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 i didn't say the right thing the little shop bloopers are not like that they're just they are legitimately funny people so the bloopers are funny and there's one yeah. where steve martin's on the green screen with his motorcycle for the beginning of the dentist song and as a prank i don't remember who it was but someone switched out the songs so he it was one of the the three girls duet songs and Steve Martin just kind of just starts singing along. <laughs> Good. <laughs> the only like, acceptable reaction to that scenario. Honestly. I feel, I feel like improv actors have way better blooper reels just because they're always doing shit like that and like just trying to keep up with it anyways. And mm -hmm. so it just ends up being really funny. <laughs> well, and there's a little bit more room to goof around in the way, at least the way that Little Shop filmed the musical sequences, um, if you don't have to worry about lip syncing, because, like, there's one clip in the blooper reel where Seymour is being, like, shoved into Audrey 2's mouth, and Rick Moranis is just screaming, The sequel! What about the sequel? <laughs> um, and when you don't have to worry about... Because, like, what they did is they'd play back the... Um, the soundtrack and they just have to lip sync along to it as they um as they performed and then sync up the sound later in post apparently there's like a dream sequence that got cut hmm. because really? like apparently they were playing ping pong on set and you could hear them <laughs> and so they had oh to gosh. cut it that's hilarious oh my gosh that's but like that <sighs> ping pong on set like it would have been so fun to work on this movie. Right? Just because of, like, all the actors are so much fun. And then you've got Frank Oz, who I'm sure was extremely fun to work with. And the fucking puppets. The fucking puppets. I think if you're friends with Frank Oz, he would be great. I personally would be intimidated as hell. Because he's, mean, like, one of those guys where he's so, like... Like I you mean, said, his humor is so dry and he looks so grumpy and he's so good at his job where I would just be intimidated as hell. I mean, I would I would definitely be too because it's fucking Frank Oz. But, like, it would still be so much fun just because, like, I, I, I love puppets. I love puppets <laughs> so much. Just be on set and go, like, do Grover. <laughs> do Animal. <laughs> love him because like he he hasn't been mean about the switch of the Muppets to Disney but he has not been like you know he didn't like sell out he's just like you know the the Muppets aren't the Muppets are supposed to be the people who make fun of Disney and now they work for Disney so I can't be a part of that yeah yeah I feel I feel like the Simpsons kind of is the same so <laughs> yeah 
Frank Oz made a movie called Little Shop of Horrors about capitalist culture. You think he's going to be happy about Disney's corporate consumption? For real. Like, that doesn't... That doesn't seem like something he would support, and I'm glad that he doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's not a dick about it. He's like, yeah, I appreciate the work those people have done and, like, everything they do, and I'm not gonna, like, be an old cranky man about it, but, like, that's my opinion. Yeah. 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 Also, if you want more, like, good musical films, all the Muppet movies are fantastic musical oh, features. And if you want more yes. Tim Curry, Muppet Treasure Island is a treat. Oh, it's been so long since I saw Muppet Treasure Island, but I kind of want to rewatch it now i love the muppets and puppets little shop of horrors i think was the movie i watched the most when i was like getting into musicals like it was the first musical movie i saw that i was like this is legitimately good this isn't like phantom of the opera where i'm getting scraps from the edge of the table that andrew lloyd Webber is willing to throw to me he's like here you may have the garbage thank you andrew <laughs> it's more like frank Oz said here's an entire filet mignon all to yourself and i said thank you frank yeah the the, the thing about it is i i enjoy musicals which have fun with themselves more than like something that andrew lloyd webber does and i i feel like it's just because they can crack jokes and still have a point <laughs> whereas well I, i'm not i'm not dissing andrew lloyd webber i'm dissing the phantom of the opera movie because it's bad oh well yeah well yeah it's fucking bad <laughs> yeah but i mean that's more joel schumacher's fault i guess i don't know who yeah. that would be i don't know oh, andy picked him <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, I would say, I think, I would consider Little Shop of Horrors probably my favorite musical. I mean, I do also love Repo, uh, which we will talk about next week. But, I don't know, Little Shop is just, it has a good mix of everything. And I've seen it both on stage and the movie, and I feel like it works in both mediums. I've never gotten to see Repo on stage, but I can imagine it would probably be excellent. Oh my god, I hope they could go over the top with the blood. I just yeah. wanted to be one of those shows that people go to and they're just like, oh my goodness, that was a lot. <laughs> also, fun fact, um, this was the musical that got Howard Shore and Alan Menken, yes, those are the composers, that got the attention of Disney so that they would bring them on to do The Little Mermaid and the Disney Renaissance with Beauty and the Beast and all of those things. And it all started with Little Shop, like the I Want song basically came, like the Disney I Want song owes a lot of it um foundations to somewhere that's green oh that's cool yeah so thank thank you little shop <laughs> <laughs> yes and it was like an, a little off-broadway production that just got huge success and then disney was like these guys seem to be hot shit let's steal them <laughs> <laughs> they're just like yoink want to <laughs> save animation guys <laughs> yeah and they said eh sure sure <laughs> I love Ellen Green's weird performance. I know her performance in this movie is so divisive amongst a lot of people, but I think she knows what she's doing and she commits to the bit, and that's all I need from a performance. I yeah, I like the joke that she is extremely strong when it comes to singing, but like she like immediately reverts back into like <laughs> this like small voice when she is like acting. It's just really funny to me, and I feel like a lot of people either really love that or hate it, but, like, mm -hmm. I just, I super love it just because I, I feel like it's, like, just, like, a joke, like, because the sing the singing is, to me, like, you know, is outside of 
like the actual story, but still like part of it, you know? So yeah. like mm-hmm. Well it's another subversion of like the the typical ingenue role where she's like she's so pure and innocent and this movie almost kind of plays that up to the point of absurdity where she talks like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just I just love the songs and this movie and everything and the puppets. I'm gonna keep saying the puppets because <laughs> I love the puppets. God damn it. They're very good. Mm-hmm. They're very good. It's just such a great I love and the fact that it's based on this really bad horror movie from the sixties that if this musical had not come along, no one would ever have talked about again. Yeah. <laughs> I just I adore that and it kind of goes along with the Rocky Horror vibe of like taking these 60s and 50s um, aesthetics and applying to them to this very kooky modern sensibility yeah uh, that's I, another thing that I just really appreciate especially in um, like a musical setting is like when you when you get to play around with a set aesthetics and then you accidentally like create an entire like genre of fashion (laughs) which (laughs) which i feel like little shop also helped contribute like a lot of resurgence of like mod stuff um especially like in the in like horror and goth communities i see a lot of like mod um patterns and like sensibilities being like put like rockabilly for example i feel like this movie kind of helped with the rockabilly movement. <laughs> oh, Eddie and the dentist are like, oh, I think yeah. they'd be friends. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, definitely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And honestly, like, there was a time when I was watching the film and I was like, oh, that wig's pretty good. Wait a minute. She has shoulder length white blonde hair. I have bangs. She has bangs. Oh, damn it. Oh, no. <laughs> Did I accidentally kin Audrey from Little Shop of Horrors? <laughs> Listen it's okay because I accidentally can see more. <laughs> Does that mean well, I know accidentally what that means. kin the dentist? <laughs> <gasps> aesthetically. Yes. You're, you aesthetically kinned him. <laughs> I actually really don't like human mouths. They freak me out. Um, yeah. I would not be able to be a dentist. But I appreciate his dedication to his craft. I guess mm-hmm. his his craft being sadism. <laughs> yeah, sure. He's he's a human cenobite, so I can see why oh you love him. <laughs> I think the cenobites would be intimidated by him because he's also got the power of song and dance. That's he's true. He's also got hair, which the cenobites don't. <laughs> Ow! Steve really Martin is weird. The cenobites over here. <laughs> I love Steve Martin's weird rockabilly voice with it because he's he's like a bluegrass singer. That's his main forte, and he's just doing this, like, half rock and roll, half country voice, where he's, like, doing an Elvis impression if Elvis really, really wanted to kill you. <laughs> yeah. Yes, they made the dentist memorable, which is really funny, because when I think about it, he only shows up for, like, three scenes before he dies. I guess he kind of yeah. does. But... And yet he's still, like, one of the best characters and arguably one of the main characters. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, you can't have Little Shop without the dentist. You can't. Yeah, you can't. and like Steve Martin just steals every role that he's in, so he just steals the scene. Can I tell y'all a little bit of trivia? Sure. So, um, in in an Icelandic version of Little Shop of Horrors, the guy that plays Robbie Rotten in Lazy Town played the dentist. That's amazing. Yes. Of course he did. Oh. Of course. He was so good. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. 
Oh, I heard a, a recording, which was in Icelandic, but I still knew what was being said because <laughs> I know these songs, like, back to front. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. Um, like, he has a very extremely deep and fun voice, and when he's singing, and it's great, and if I can find that, I can link it somewhere. Um, that <laughs> but is awesome. That's it's, actually it's good. so good. Well, and it's hilarious that in a, in a musical where a singing plant literally eats the entire world, the dentist is the one with the villain song. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I could, I think the, the, um, like, Feed Me is also a villain song, but, mean like. Green Mother could be a villain song. Maybe, you know, I think we've yeah. just cracked why Little Shop is one of the best musicals ever. Is we all know that the villain song is the best song in a musical, and this musical is just 90% villain songs. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, even, like, the protagonist is a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's like so good because everyone is doing bad things and singing about how bad it is. <laughs> Audrey's really the only good guy. Mushnick doesn't do anything bad. He's just a jerk. Well, Mushnick <laughs> also doesn't have a song. So yeah. True. Um. All right, we're hitting the hour mark, so I'm gonna wrap things up. But are there any last thoughts? Um. <sighs> This musical made me gay. (laughs) (laughs) If you're a person who doesn't understand why musicals should be transformed into a film medium, or you think that they just cannot translate, I highly recommend this as the absolute proof that it can be done well by someone who understands both mediums so well. Because I do think there is an energy and an artistry that is captured in the Little Shop of Horrors movie that cannot be captured by any other art form. Of course the stage version is wonderful, but this movie is also wonderful. And it is both a wonderful musical and a movie, and it just understands both mediums and how to portray them so well in a way that cannot be portrayed in any other medium. So that's what I'll say on that. Okay. Yes. (laughs) I I totally agree. (laughs) Um, Should we plug some stuff before we, like, totally wrap up? Yeah, um, of course. So we have a new podcast on the network called Bad Romance where the hosts um, every week go talk about a different rom-com. And as the title implies, they're usually pretty bad. But it's really entertaining to hear about this month they're doing bad gay rom-coms because, Ooh. like, it's Pride Month, so that's been really fun. Because there are some really good gay movies out there, but they're, it's fun to hear someone talk about bad ones, too. Because it's like, you know yes. what? The gays deserve <laughs> to have bad media also. Oh, yeah. Our other new podcast is I Can Fix That. That is a show where the hosts pick a different popular media, things like Harry Potter, Game of Thrones, and talk about what they would do to improve it. Um, The hosts are really funny, and they, you know, it's like, it's not, I think, like, from the show's title, you could get the impression that it's negative and picking stuff apart, and that's really not the case. I would say, like, it's more out of love and just thinking critically about, like, hey, if you were the writer, what would you do differently? Because I don't, I know we've all done that before. Like, I do that all the time. So, oh, definitely. Oh, God. It's like you want the best things for your kids. And sometimes they do some really dumb things. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, that's also really excellent. Both of those can be found on lunarlightstudio.com iTunes, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. 
To check out more Lunar Light shows, visit Lunar Light HQ on Twitter. If you want more Netflix and Kill, you can find us at Netflix underscore in, is in the letter in, underscore kill. Um, we didn't talk about this at the top of the show, but we really should. We support Black Lives Matter, and I just feel the need mm-hmm. to say that. Um, yes. I recorded a message to add on to our last episode, because we recorded that like way back in May, before a lot of the protests and stuff were happening. Um, but I feel like it's important for us to address. We support the protesters, we support this movement, um, we support ending police violence, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of of activism that needs to be done right now. And uh, we're working very hard in various ways um, to um, help. I Sorry, um, I'm gonna say go ahead and like if you listen to us, um, I would say listen to, you know, other other people who are, um, you know, in the movement and taking action because I feel like they have a lot more to say about this than we do. Um, we, you know, it's it's not part of our job, although it should be, um, but, you know, there are a lot of people who are more um, knowledgeable about this stuff, and I would say seek them out um and donate to um any kind of local black lives matter movements or jail funds or anything like that because that's going to definitely help yeah Mm -hmm. i would say um the three tier art uh advice i've been given is have those conversations especially with people who um think differently than you if you feel you are in a safe space to do so um you can donate if you have the funds to snappedforfreedom.org, which is a, an organization that builds power of black, trans, and queer people that uh, faces systematic divisement from prison industrial complexes and invests in community support. That is a organization I've learned about a lot recently, but there's also, um, like, I think Lunar Light has links to a ton of different organizations you can donate to. You can, of course, donate to the Black Lives Matter page itself. Um, there's a couple resources. Um, 13th is on Netflix is a great resource, or there's a book called The New Jim Crow or White Fragility. Those are two great resources if you would like to educate yourself. Yeah, um, Horror Noir is yes. A, yes. an awesome horror documentary about black horror filmmakers and actors that I would definitely it's recommend. it's on Shudder, which yeah. has a, um, a paywall of, like, a couple dollars a month. I think it would still be worth it to Yeah, well, you can get a free one-week trial and just, that you know, too. do the that thing too. where you and get the free trial and, and your subscription before they charge if you don't have the money for it, but... Yeah, that's too. That's too. Uh, either way, <laughs> I definitely recommend checking out that film. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely a good look into um, black filmmakers and actors um, in the horror community, and I I love that <laughs> I love that documentary to pieces. It's it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Just keep doing research. Um, if you want to learn more about something really important, I would also highly suggest studying the Tulsa Race Massacre. Um, we all have ties to Oklahoma, and this is a thing that happened right here in our state, and it is not talked about, even in our history classes. And I found out about this, and um, it's just, you know, it's really sad that, like, it's not, it's not taught in history classes at all in the United States, and not even in the state where it happened. 
Um, but mm-hmm. basically, 99 years ago, an influential black community in Tulsa was completely destroyed in a massacre. And um, businesses and homes that were burned to the ground. And this is a, a big deal because this area was thriving. They called it Black Wall Street. And it was like one of the most successful black neighborhoods in the entire country. And it was all just completely destroyed overnight. And um, it's a tragedy. So yeah, I, would... I would say for for everyone, I would say listen and look for history of your own communities and, you know, see see what kind of stuff there is that's kind of similar to this because it's something that I feel like is important to know. Um, you know, even if you're not from Oklahoma or have been to Oklahoma, you know, there there's probably a similar story out there about, you know, something something like that that it, that is similar and I feel like you know, the the more you know about your own community, the more you are effectively able to prevent stuff like that from happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's really easy um, with this constant flow of information to think that your voice doesn't matter, but it does. And I highly recommend um, just using whatever platform you have. Yeah. Um, I would also say get involved with local government right even to your city council, write to your city council and tell them the changes you want. It does make a difference. Go vote. Um, here in Oklahoma, there are going to be elections in about a week or so on June 30th, where we're actually having a very important vote about expanding our health care. We have one of the worst healthcare systems in the country, and this is super important. It'll help literally everyone, but especially the poor and disenfranchised people here. So please go vote mm-hmm. it's even if you think your vote doesn't count it it does like this this is really going to help a lot of people if we can get this health care bill passed yeah mm-hmm. um i am trying to think of some other stuff to say because yeah well a, a lot of it comes down to listening to the people in your community and you know lo- looking towards a future in which you can you know say that you helped in some way to mm-hmm. to make things better. Yep, stay engaged, stay educated, stay motivated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think that's about all for this time. Um, I know that's a little bit of a heavy note to end on, but I, it's something very important to talk about, and... Um, I mean, we just talked about a movie that was pretty anti-capitalist, so I feel yeah. like you know, we should end with a, a serious note about how to help with anti-capitalism and, um, you know, up- uplifting of um, black and indigenous voices in your community and, you know, because, you know, people need help and, you know, focusing just on yourself is not a way to do help. Um as as we have seen in this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Maybe we could um, link our Twitters and stuff like that, because this is the first time I actually really want to have okay. people look at my Twitter, because usually that's that's where I do compile a lot of my resources. Yeah, go for it. 
Um, you can find me on Twitter at Hannah V. Boyens, um, or you can find me on Instagram, same username. Um, I usually have a lot of resources there. I try to post one uh, link where you can find an educational source uh, and one link where you can find a donational source every day, um, just so I can educate myself. I've also been posting a lot of information online. I'm at Frosty the R Zero Bot. Um, I do post memes occasionally, but that's kind of on hold for a little bit because I am mostly just wanting to share and uplift information about how you can help your community um, and, you know, arrest cops who need to be arrested. <laughs> yeah. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Kai the Jedi. That's Kai spelled K Y. Um, I a lot of the stuff I'm sharing is Oklahoma specific, just because this is because I feel like I am the most knowledgeable about things going on in our community, and I'm I feel very engaged and um, passionate about the things happening here, and uh, we have. I mean, obviously, I care about the things happening everywhere, but I feel like I can make the most change here. We have the second highest rate of police killings per capita in the United States in Oklahoma City, so that's not great. Yeah. Um, so we there's... also have one of the worst healthcare systems. And... Yeah. So that's a lot mm-hmm. of the stuff that I share is um, local resources, but I also have been sharing some um, horror resources and and black filmmakers and um that's been pretty cool to to see the support of a lot of black filmmakers definitely i mean those are also very important every level is important yeah um so thank you for listening to our show hope you enjoyed we'll be back to talk about repo in the meantime please do your Mm -hmm. research and don't feed the plants (laughs) Yeah. No matter what they offer you.